Content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. listening to this, you are lucky enough to have stumbled on a brilliant podcast. (laughs) Welcome to If You Don't Mind. I am your host, Madeline Sherrington. Thank you for clicking on this little potty. I really appreciate it. Most people um, are aware that there are thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. So every time I see someone's listened to an episode, I literally freak out because I'm just like, I don't... I want to know who these people are. I want to thank them for giving me the time of day, (laughs) for believing in me. Thank you, as usual. I really do appreciate it. Um, I've had some fantastic feedback um, regarding last week's episode um, with Andrew. So I think it really sparked an important discussion when it comes to men's mental health. And these are discussions I want to continue. So if you feel like you want to reach out and, and chat more in depth, um, please do. As I as I say at the end of each episode, you can reach us on um, if you don't mind at gmail.com. I say us as if this is a big production team, but it's just literally me. <laughs> um, but of course, we have a new episode. This is episode eight. And with each new episode, we have a brilliant new guest. Today, you'll be hearing from Reese, who is a certified sweetheart. He is super lovely and passionate and engaging and was one of the first people actually back in the day to approach me about doing an interview. He really cares about sharing his story because he knows, well, it's going to help someone. And that's what we want, guys. That's the point of this whole podcast. Um, So in this interview, Reese talks about his diagnosis with bipolar and, and basically this mammoth of a journey he had to go on to get to that point. Uh, we also have a little chat about what it's like to navigate medication and doctors. And we also chat a little bit about his love for basketball and how that's kept him going through the hard times. Just a little trigger warning for you guys. This interview uh, does mention suicide, bipolar, depression, so if you're not in the headspace to hear about those things, that's fine. Come back when you're ready. Uh, I think let's get into it, guys. This is going to be a good one. I mean, they're all good ones, but here's another good one. This is episode eight with Reese. I hope you like it. Oh, just also just so you know, because you know how you're very... Don't do it. Yeah. I'll put my hands away. I'll sit on them. It's really funny because I the the last person I interviewed, mm. Andrew, he just he kept doing that. So as I'm well. assuming that would have just ruined the audio no. altogether. <laughs> it was it was fine. He would just but he would just like knock things like this. Yeah, no, no. I'm very expressive. Well, so okay. I'll I put am, the hands away. I so. am too. I hundred percent get it. Hello, Reese. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um. 
For the listeners out there, mm-hmm. could you just maybe give us a little bit of a explanation as to who you are, what you're about, and what you do with your life? Um, yeah, I found me as a person, I'm actually, I think I'm almost so friendly to a fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think people, I've had people tell, like, through other connections, say, is he really that nice all the time? Like, <laughs> things like that. It's like, but like, I feel like I'm a very jovial kind of person. Um, very shy. It always goes a dark road because then people think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just a pushover and a bit weak. So, like, it's, I don't know, but like, I feel like I'm a very nice person. Not so. (laughs) So, I do have obviously social insecurities and interactions and things of that nature, but I think that's the crux of it. Hmm. Gentle soul. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say you're definitely a very friendly person. I 100% agree with that. Very, when it comes to like stuff like um, anything physical, so sporting activities, extremely competitive. I was going to say, you're like an amazing (laughs) basketballer. Oh, thank you for saying amazing, but you need to come watch so you can see more. (laughs) I've I've actually been meaning to come and watch a game of yours for ages because obviously you play with some of my friends. Yeah. Um, Small world. Small world. I know, but I've just been like, I've just like, I need to know and I need to go see see him in the, in the flesh but i've been told you are pretty good oh who, who from <laughs> you have to tell me later i will tell you later no no it's um it's almost like a primal instinct that comes out yeah when i'm playing because it's a it's like a sense of security the competitive edge um like it just comes out do you think that when you're playing basketball that like shy kind of person goes away and you feel a little bit, little bit more confident yeah it does come back in bout, like you just like it'll come back, like in spurts almost. It'll mm. come back. I can feel it at times. Thankfully, I've been for the majority of times. It's uh, once I'm out there, it's, there's a goal. It's like okay, let's win the game. I'm playing mm. with um, playing with guys and girls, like in case of like mixed teams and stuff. I'm playing with people I really like that'll go to war for. It's it's easy. I'm I'm in really good. The teams that I'm in, the camaraderie is exceptional in all mm. of them. They always. You know, and you and you know from the girls that I play with in the mixed team because, like, you know, like the stuff. It's all very love, love, loving and respectful, and they always it's always build up, not tear down. Yeah, I love that. So that's the best part. So when they see me get cracking, like you know, get cracking the shits and getting angry at stuff, whether it's calls or if there's, or if there's a there's a prick on the other team, that's <laughs> you know, it, whenever it's like that, they go no, because it's not me just being angry. It's coming from it's almost like a protection cautionary thing. Yeah, you want to protect your team. Yeah, I love that. So, Reese, I have to ask you. So a few years ago um we were talking and you you told me something quite private and that was you'd just been recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. um i guess i'd really like to kind of have a chat about that Mm -hmm. and how that came to pass and what kind of went into that discovery if that's okay yeah yeah chat about that i'm I'm pretty sure that's what i'm here for so (laughs) i mean maybe Um, yeah so so what happened how did you kind of come to that conclusion how what how did that eventuate in your life okay so in order for me to kind of take you on that journey i've got to give you a little prequel beforehand 100 percent, i love a prequel so (laughs) (laughs) go ahead it depends but anyway um (laughs) so when i was about 20 i was about 20 no yeah it was about 20 and um yeah, I was on top of the world, you know. Oh, I, I thought I was. You know, for example, going to uni, I was on the I was on the university team. I was on the first team. Played in tournaments. We went to uni games. I had a really good group of guys around me. You know, I was working part time. You know, I thought I was doing everything right. 
you know, like in terms of like those societal norms. Like checking the boxes. Yes. I'm like, okay. It's like, you know, I'm scrolling down. I'm like, oh, cool, 10 years. He's like, you know, kids, family, this, this, this. Mm. All those kinds of things. That's yeah. where I was kind of looking at. I was like, oh, I seem to be on the, the, the basic trajectory yep. of life. Yeah, 100%. And um, I remember just this like almost existential dread, I guess, it would be the best way to put it because – uh, for some reason, that second year of university was e- that I had was easily the worst. Was the worst thing for me, hmm. and things just fell by the wayside. I thought, like, it was quite interesting because, like, I just lost all passion, and I'm a passionate person. So when everything, tell, yeah. when everything went away, <laughs> it was like, oh, like it was that mixture of, oh, is this what becoming an adult is like, or is this is something wrong? And so it was just this perplexing sort of space I was entering, hmm. and. Um, you know, it's it's just the subtle things. Like you know, I stopped I stopped lifting weights. I stopped training, and like I was training with a bunch of guys, and you they would you know they went to the gym all the time. They were you know they were fit, healthy. You know, so like for me to just kind of drop off, even though they were best mates, just to kind of just drop that, mm. I knew something was not right. Mm. I couldn't stomach basketball, so that's how you know. Even that's that was the next one. I was like, okay, something's definitely wrong because mm. something that I loved. You didn't enjoy I it could anymore. I couldn't get any enjoyment out of it. Mm. Going to a game it was like dreading going like oh god I've got to do this like oh, I guess I'll just have to I have to get through. And unfortunately, you know, that was the terrible nature of it because having a good game, I was like yeah, okay, whatever. I did what I was supposed to. But having a bad game, I'd, you'd sink even worse. I, it was almost like and then I'd lost my purpose because I thought I was going to be become a teacher, like a high school teacher, and it wasn't working out as much as I saw. I was watching the NBA draft, which is, I don't know how familiar you are with I it. I semi get it. Okay. <laughs> so it's where they draft all the young kids out of college and yes. overseas into the NBA. Okay. The 60 picks, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it's a big deal. So it starts at like 9 a.m. and it goes for like six hours. Wow. So it's like, you know, you heard the NFL draft. It goes for days. Yes. Because there's millions of rounds. So, many so this isn't as bad, but still, six hours. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was, couldn't sleep a lick. Just thoughts were racing because I'm just like, everything was falling apart around me. Because um, loss of purpose. I couldn't get any physical release. I just, I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay up. So I'd stayed up like 24 hours or 36 hours straight because I just couldn't sleep. Wow. And I... <laughs> I was watching this draft and I um I remember I just fell asleep like like I just just somehow the boredom of it just put me to sleep. <laughs> like I like that was the thing. I wasn't falling asleep because it was it was more just passing out because of exhaustion. Yeah. And so somehow you know passed out cuz I don't even remember falling asleep and my mum came home. She came home early at like 3:30 and she saw me just on the couch like you know I didn't shower. You know I was in sweats. Yeah. Sweatpants, you know some dirty hoodie mm. and my mum looked at me and she goes she goes nah you've got depression she goes I can feel it. she goes I can feel it mm. like now for her backstory she's had postnatal twice yeah it was believed that she had inklings of it after after I was born mm. but then when she had my sister like two yeah, three years later it was a like a double whammy like a mm. double punch in the face because mm. it hammered her telltale signs for her were start were emerging because at first she thought oh he's just on uni break he's just being a 20 year old and then she's like, eh, nah, something, something's wrong. That's when I went and saw, like, you know, I went and saw a GP and we were just like, okay, let's just try to break this down and figure it out. Because I was in denial to start with. And then, um, you know, later on it just, it kind of takes a while, but it sinks in. You go, okay, if this is because, like, I was sitting there going, can, is this what my life is really going to be? Yeah. 
like if this is what it is, and like that's why I under, that's why when people um, go into su- suicidal tendencies and thoughts and stuff, I totally understand because if this is what the life my life is going to be, like no wonder why I totally understand and mm. I sympathise. But mm. so it's it's hard, and so I get diagnosed with depression initially, and you know I tried try a uh, plethora of drugs mixed not mixing and matching straight away but try one doesn't work i still i think there was still some tentativeness on my behalf in terms of like okay i didn't embrace it's hard the treatment it's scary yeah well especially when you're kind of you know half mind you're you're kind of fighting yourself going on nothing's wrong with me but then there's also that little inkling like okay maybe there is exactly so there was that so we change again and then i change a third time and i'm sitting there going jesus you know is this what is this what's going to happen? Is, am I going to be doing this every year? Because it was Groundhog Day almost, mm. just with a different medication. <laughs> That's all it was. And But this is like kind of how I knew how, how out of their depth GPs are when it comes to mental health at the current state of things. Yep. Um, because he was really thoughtful. He was caring. He was a lovely man. He, looked, he went out of his way. Like to call me at at, my, at home, call my mobile. Like he he genuinely was invested in me. That's like he saw me. He's he's his son coming to our get, like some of the games. His son plays, and um. But yeah, he goes out of his way, you know. And like so, this is when I'm saying this. This isn't like no, he's not professional. No, he, it, it just shows you how like how difficult it is for these guys to even come up with to even adequately. Tr- Treat. Yeah, it's a lack of training. Yeah. 100%. So, but basically what happened was he put me on a mixture of two drugs. And after a while, I, I remember I had a breakdown. And I said to my mother, I said, if this is what my life is going to be, I actually made a promise to myself. I said, if I'm still doing this at 30, mm. I'm not I'm not here anymore. Mm. Like, that's it. It's a scary thought. Yeah. That's how bad I was. You just felt that, like, that over I, it. I felt useless. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I go good for I go good for a couple of weeks or a month, and then you know you you, you slide down, and then like you know, but instead of thinking, oh yeah, it's I'm going to be out for a month, it's like, nah, I'm out for three, and the frustration because I can could never could never get on track, I could never build. Hmm. It was always yeah, I could start something, but you know how they say it takes you like a month to get a routine. Hmm. You know they say more than that, but like to even begin one, you got to. Do it consistently for like sixty-six days or something. Yeah, but to like to even begin, like to even get it rolling, to get the ball rolling, you need like a month straight of that schedule. Like that's my opinion. That's what I thought. I agree. I I thought if I could get a month solid, I would be okay. I could just the the ball would roll from there. And um, oh, it was just an absolute nightmare. And I said to my mum, I said, "This is it. This is the last straw." I said, "This isn't working. I've wasted." like five, six years of my life on this treatment that I thought is working, but it's not doing anything for me. We've got to, something's got to change because guess what? If this keeps going, I said, this is a bit morbid, but I said, if this keeps going, I said, you'll, you'll come home one day and you'll find me. Hmm. She said, don't make me, don't put me through that. Yeah. And I remember I just said to her blatantly, I said, if we don't, I said, we got to figure something out. You're just so desperate. Yeah. It was pure desperation. And that's the thing, I think, when people don't find a treatment that's working. Yeah. Like, I guess you can be very lucky and you can go on a medication and that can, like, work instantly. Yep. But then there are people out there, it takes them years and years to not only get a diagnosis, but to find treatment that works. And that period of time, like, I feel I consider myself quite lucky that it was quite a short time for me. Mm -hmm. But for people like yourself, that just sounds so exhausting. Mm. Well, 
considering when I've been, t- like, you know, when you're, we're going off the whole GP thing, right? Yeah. We're looking, like, I know they're under, like, you know, GPs will always be under review and there's scrutiny and they have to do their job and things of that nature. Yeah. But generally, when someone, when a GP gives you, a, like, a doctor gives you advice about your health, you're not going to pull up Google and argue it with them. No, you're you know going to be like, I mean? you're a health professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen no, to you. You're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to, you're not going to double take it. You're just going to go, okay, cool. It was becoming that thing where it was like, Jesus, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? It was. felt like it wasn't necessarily the GP's issue. It was. was, I was going, what? I was like, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? Right. It got to the point, do I have some rare. Because you know how it is. There's There's. There are cases where there's extremely rare Mm. illnesses, diseases. And I'm just like, Jesus, am am I that outlier? Okay. That you makes know, sense. but not only that, but then, and then, like you know, there was the social and emotional pressures because I'm like very passionate person, very emotionally driven. Mm. So once things go a bit south, you know, everything just it cascades; it just all goes yeah. down. And I think for people with a mental illness, especially when they first get sick, yeah. it can often quite it can feel like for a lot of people they're like, "Is this? Am I different? Like, is this mm-hmm. what I'm? Yeah. No one else has this, so am am I some sort of like?" special case oh. and that's the reason i kind of did the, did this podcast yeah. so that people can listen and be like no this happens to a fuck that, ton of people oh absolutely that's that and that was the thing like for me in in terms of my friendship group it was very hard mm. because like i wouldn't say my best friends were jocks or anything but you know fit strong assertive assertive men mm. right that was the mold so even when i was like i was always i always felt that little bit out I'm sensitive emotionally. Yeah, and society yeah. teaches you not to be that way. Yeah, which is so you can go into stupid. the whole hundred percent feminine, masculine, emotional tendencies, all that thing. But we won't go there mm. because I'm off track. But oh my God, we'd be here for hours. <laughs> We'd be here for so, hours. The thing is, I um. So basically, I said that to my mother, and she goes, "All right, it's not working." She went and asked around. So. Jesus, my mother's a saint because um, for she works in the neuro ward at Sydney Children's. So you know she's she asked around uh, other health professionals. Do you have anyone? My son's my son needs help. Can we do this? What can we do? So she got a bunch of recommendations from from like the staff around. So surgeons. She went out of her like beyond out of her way, you know. And um, she's all right. Got you a referral, and we'll go see this guy, and um, and we'll go from there. And so I go in there. The first session I have is like, an, is like an hour and he's asking me questions. I'm doing forms. I'm doing all this stuff, you know, just he's figuring out compatibility. But then he's also figuring out my, like how I rate mm. me because all those forms, it's all how do you fit, how do you see yourself at this time? How have you yeah. felt? What thoughts have you had? How many times have you thought this in the last month? And, you know, they try to assess it. And um, oh, I was just a wreck going into it. He's like, after that first session, he goes, okay, you know, come see me. And um, he goes, oh, bring your mother along. Really? Mm. Oh, okay. okay. And how are you? How did you respond to that? Well, it was obviously a mixture of feelings because so I was like, oh, dear, you know, because <laughs> I think maybe he's wondering if I'm embellishing anything. Um, he obviously genuinely cared. And he was wanted her there because, and like he, as he would say in the the meeting, the follow up, it was like, okay, we've got someone to help you that's on track, that's aware of what your, um, what your medication is, when you need to have it, how many times a day. Here's the scripts, here's the repeats. Mm. So you can't trick anyone. So because, like you know, it take like we were discussing, it takes those 
till you build the routine, you could go off the rails anytime. Hundred percent. You need someone to keep you in line. So, so who better? Damn, <laughs> mum. Yeah. We go in the following week, and this is how bad it was. So uh, this is how insecure and how frigid I was at the time. So I'm sitting there, and no joke, my fight or flight kicked in. So I've got my mother. Like I know people can't see me pointing, but <laughs> but I basically have my mother on my right, and and I'd have the doctor on the left, and. I feel like he's grilling me, but he's actually not. But that's how frazzled I was up here. Yeah. He was just saying, he was just being stern saying, look, here's the plan. And basically he said, hey, look, the underlying theme was, look, if you're not going to go into this wholeheartedly, he goes, there's no point Hmm. because you're wasting your time. You're wasting mine. Wow. He was just, he was kind of blunt. Hmm. He's like, you've got to be in 100% or it's not going to work. Did that work for you, him being that blunt? Oh, yeah, it did eventually. But like in the in the thing, I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> and because I've got my mother there who's kind of reaffirming that. Yeah. Um, because she said to me, she's like, you wanted this. Like you wanted the change. And and, and look, change isn't always breezy. You know, it's, mm. it's change is confronting. 100%. So I don't think I expected that con- level of confrontation at the time. And so it really threw me through a loop. So like I'm sitting there like on like one of those, <laughs> yeah, those classic <laughs> one of the classic, you know, psychiatrist couches kind of thing. And I'm sitting right in the middle of it. Hands are sweaty. I'm looking at the door. Like you know, I'm like Jesus. I can just run out. Mm. I can just. I can go. I can. I just bolt. It was flight of like you know fight or flight. It kicked in 100. percent and my heart rate, just, like it was, like, like it was like, beyond. Yeah, like a panic attack yeah. kind of thing. And I've had anxiety attacks before, so I knew what was coming. And so they did settle me down. But like, like I remember saying to my mother, like a couple of weeks later, like you know, I had like, and she goes, "Yeah, I could tell instantly." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the thing. So when I first, when we did that session, he goes, "Oh, what medications are you on?" And I go, "Oh, I'm on this and this." And he went, "This is how I knew I was in for a rough one." So I go, "Oh, I'm on this medication, and this medication," and he goes. <laughs> this is how I knew it was bad. Yeah, they don't work together. Oh, That's no. what he said to me. And I just went, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you know what? He goes, they actually, they, he goes, they actually exacerbate the problem together. Oh, fuck it. And so, like, how long after this mm-hmm. initial consultation did that diagnosis of bipolar come out? So that initial consultation... He that's when he looked over the tendencies. And, yeah. And um that's where he changed. He goes, Look, um he goes, You're not just straight up depressed because you're getting these moments of euphoria. Mm. So he goes, You've pro-, he goes, I'm seeing a lot of bipolar disorder, more strict mostly bipolar too. Mm-hmm. So I don't have pure euphoria in the sense of I go from zero to a hundred mm. and then then I go all the way down. So for listeners out there, yeah. what's the difference between bipolar one and two? So you'll have to forgive me because I did research this a while ago. No, 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 you're all good. But so I believe bipolar one, you go, you go from pure like just abject depression, just Mm -hmm. bottom of the barrel, Mm -hmm. and you'll shoot up. Okay, so you'll go zero to one hundred almost. So very low lows and very high highs. Exactly. There's no, Mm -hmm. and so for example, and you can't, and like the drop offs are quite no, they're quite severe because you can be a hundred for here, and it's not like it drops like this. It goes bang. It plummets. Okay. So um, I think I wasn't having oh, – I'm trying to remember the exact wording he used because I didn't have euphoria to its literal extent. I had like a lesser version of euphoria. Okay. So like, so like, like mania? Yeah, hypermania maybe. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, but, it's um, fun. But, um, 
but yeah, so basically mine was a little more, it's a rarer one, but it's a bit more manageable. Right. Yeah, mine was just different in the sense, like, it made sense to me. Because when he said it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I'd done tests on Black, like through Black Dog Institute and mm. things like that. Because I was like, this can't be just depression. Because depression just is like a flat line. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just down all the time. Mm. But yet I'm – and this was the phrase that, you know, I was like, some days I'm flatlining, you know, just barely able to get out of bed. And then other days I'm bulletproof. Two hours sleep, four hours sleep, bulletproof, bang. Really? That yeah. little sleep? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't imagine functioning. Yeah. Oh, so I guess that could have been one of that, that that would have been one of the kind of hallmark um symptoms would be the fact that you could you could just like fucking oh, yeah. trailblaze regardless. I felt like, I felt like you could I, I could have run in traffic. I felt like I could have run run like taken on a car. Okay. Superman level kind of stuff. And that's that's probably the scariest thing. Just mm. no control. Like that was the worst. And how like so present day mm-hmm. how is your relationship with your your diagnosis? How are you how do you feel about it, and, and and do you feel well? Yeah, I feel. Oh, I'm I'm like it is scary how much I have improved. Mm. Like if you're like why why would you say scary? Because it actually is. Because I've kind of bought in not to the not only the medication but just changing things, just owning owning it. Mm. If that makes sense, that does make sense, a hundred percent. And um, as opposed to either fighting and saying, no, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong, there's, I'm like, okay, let me, there's obviously something going on that maybe I don't completely understand. Let me do, and like I was given steps along the way. So um, for context, when this guy gave me the diagnosis, he goes, okay, and I'm saying this guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> colloquially, but um, he goes, I'm going to put a team around you. I'm going to look after your medication. So we're going to start on this. We'll get you a sleep nurse. Wow, I want a sleep nurse. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. So I was seeing him and he was teaching me, he was basically explaining to me good sleep habits, things to change because like it didn't matter. That was what he was also trying to figure out was how my sleep, yes. sleep with bipolar disorder because it was just a kind of exacerbating. And I think for a lot of people who live with a mental illness, sleep is just, oh, sleep is so important. Like I know a few people who have become unwell yeah. or relapsed because they haven't had enough sleep or they just they've gotten into a a pattern of of just you know really terrible sleep and they haven't been able to kind of like I don't know get back to a baseline yeah like yeah I don't know yeah sleep is so important so we were kind of he was kind of evaluating okay let's see what the relationship is mm-hmm. with that um, so it's like, okay, let's get your health. Let's get the sleep health. Let's, you know, let's try to erase the bad habits you've already set, the bad precedents. Let's get rid of every, as much, not as much, but let's get rid of everything mm. negative and let's just try to start you, start off on the right foot. Yes. And then I had a psychologist that I could speak to for the emotional. Yeah, to talk. Because there was a lot of pent up, as a very emotional person, there was a lot of pent-up aggression, anger, mm. frustration, like a mix, just a cocktail of emotions that needed to kind of come out. And it felt like I had nowhere for it to go. Mm. So that's why, you know, you just bottle it because you, it's like, oh, I've got no one to tell. So you hang on to it and it's just the worst thing fathomable. Yeah, because it eats away at you, hey. Because mm. it eats you alive. Yeah. Just just rots you from Shit, the inside. Dude, that's that's heavy. So I um So you had like this whole team around you. Yeah, so I think honestly, I think that's what That's what saved you? And like I understand like, you know, not everyone can get that. So I'm I was in a very Pri- I don't know if opportunistic or privileged. If privileged. Privilege yeah. is the right term, I And think. it was 
and it was very lucky. But that was kind of his, and that's how I knew this guy cared because it was yeah. a game plan. It, that's why that was that was why the whole bluntness of the and the investment. Because think about it, that's what he invested in me. Mm. It's funny because talking to you, talking about this game plan, and then you're mm. also a very kind of like sporty person. <laughs> so I feel like if you just have like a plan of attack, yeah. Before you do anything, it's just going to set you up for yeah, I've, a good outcome. It's so funny. Cause, it's very interesting to see the way you talk about it. No, because it, it's it's because now that you mention it, it's very very funny that you've said that. Because <laughs> when it, even if we're just going out for like if I'm going out with friends, I'm like, can you give me a day notice? Let me plan this. <laughs> let me plan this out a little bit. Oh, I love that. Like it's, don't. But that's but that's an I interesting hate, as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's the anxiety more so. Yeah. Because yeah. you need you need structure. Like and if schedule. I, for example, now if I work all day and I'm like, oh, thank God, I get to go home. And like, hey man, you know, you want to do something tonight? I'm like, oh God, like really? <laughs> like, uh. and then, and that's the other part. It's like, do I come up with something to get out of it, or do I go be social? <laughs> and it's like, but like that has gotten better as that progressed. But that was that was hard with the initially. That was very hard because mm. when I'm not feeling, when I'm not feeling confident or not feeling well in myself um i don't want to be around there because i feel like a burden yeah is it kind of like you don't want to be around people unless you're your best self yeah, yeah. but like think about it. how many times you go to a party and you see someone you're like geez you know they look like they're having fun yeah. and they're kind of sitting there and it's like geez why why even show up yeah yeah i don't want that i don't want to be that so like in my opinion I, this is my opinion so like i would rather be at home Yes, and that's fair. And but Be like home. at the same time, that that sucks for the rest of my friends because they want to see me, they want me around. Yeah. It's just I don't want me around, which is the hard but thing. But they want you around. Yeah, exactly. They do. That's the hard thing. They want you around. They want you to be social. You know, they want you not not be social. They want you to be like, hey, just come have fun. Just yeah. come hang out with us. We'll have a drink, voice. have dinner. We'll sit yeah. there. We'll talk. You know, that's all it is. But it's your own internal kind of reflections where you're like, nah, I don't want to do it. Yeah, that little voice is like, do you think do they you, really want you there? Do they really want you there or is it just pressure? Is it peer pressure they bring you in? It's like, yeah. oh, God. Is so. it a pity invite? <laughs> Fuck anxiety, little bitch. Yeah, it's really bad. So, um, um, What I wanted to say, because I mean, we, we could just chat for hours, but yeah. I do not want to run out of time. Yeah, of course. I have some things I want to discuss. Of course, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're all fine. <laughs> um, just to kind of move aside from talking about kind of diagnosis and things like mm-hmm. that, I think the thing we've spoken about before as well, which surprised me because you've always, you know, been a, a fit dude. That's how you've appeared to me visually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you mentioned to me prior to this interview that you've you've actually had issues with kind of your body and how you look and self-image mm. and things like that. Yeah. What's that been like for you? Where, where did that kind of originate? Oh, it's, <laughs> um, it's, like, it's, it's like building off that toxic mas- masculinity at times. Yeah. So I've grown up from a very s- sports-oriented family and not just like – and it's not – and people are going to think, oh, it's just, you know, it's just the men on his side. No, no. <laughs> Women as well. Both, both sides of the family were, <laughs> were, were really good athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, like grandfather played rugby league back in the days where he actually had to work two other jobs to make a living. So, you know, so he, so you know, he played with Manly and the Rabbitohs and stuff. Like he was, he was up there. You know, my mother was a. I think my mother was almost a national. I think she was a national level netballer. She wow. played state. My grandmother was a state. Was like a state runner. Um, you know, my sister was fantastic at swimming to the point where they were going to send her up to Queensland for coaching. You know, so like. In terms of, I'd made some teams here and there, but 
I like the sport I love the most. I found too late. I found it fifteen, and I was just small. Yeah, like basketball, I'm just tiny. <laughs> like that's just life. I know it's not fair though. Yeah. It's so good. Why should it be to? I know it's a height thing. I yeah. understand, but still dumb. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue there. So, <laughs> but like, I've come from athletically rich. Yeah. Let's say stock. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's there. Growing up, I always wanted to be like my granddad. You know, wanted to play. You know, want to play professional because that's what every kid wants. You know, I want to oh, be a race yeah. car driver. I want to play sport. I want to do this. You know. Um, so I, so when I wasn't doing well in sport, especially, I felt like, geez, you know, like, like that's one thing I should be good at because look at, um, look at your genes. Yeah, look at what's you know polluted me. Mm. <laughs> you know, what, look what, look what I've come from. Mm. Um, so that was kind of that toxic thing, and um, a lot of my family were really quite fit. You know, mother, like that was the funny thing, you know, when your mother's working night shift and still trains every day, it's like, yeah, sweet, how do I compete with that? Mm. You know, and it, like that's what, that's what I'm competing with. Mm. <laughs> so that was kind of the difficulty. It was like, oh, I never, and like, you know, you, you start playing basketball, I'm like, okay, I'm small, that sucks. Am I a man, really? Mm. I'm playing, I'm playing with like guys from the same age or younger, and they're all just giants. Yeah. <laughs> So that was always a bit hard. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, like the, <laughs> I know, like we say, like at home, we say like, um, like my brother, my younger brother, he's 15 mm. and he'll say, oh, you're a fatty. Like it's a joke. And that's hard. Mm. Cause like, like we say it at home and I'm like, uh, I'm just like, yeah, this isn't right. <laughs> but like, that's a soft, that's for the, for that, my entire family, it's actually a, it's a, it's a soft spot. Mm. It's a sensitive spot. Because none of you want to be perceived that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like I can, I remember I was seventy, like I was like seventy kilos, seventy two kilos or something at the time. And like someone said that to me, I'm like, and I remember I got really agitated. I'm like, why, why? I've got a four pack. Like why? Mm. And I've almost got six. Like why am I even? Why? Am, why is this even off putting me off? Mm. But it's like ingrained because we're just because the family has been so the athletic dis. Disposition, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> to can't coin be, something. You can't but be anything but yeah, that. Yeah, I have to be fit. Yeah, I have to be fit. Ugh. Which is a heavy burden to carry because mm. your body changes throughout your whole life. It's never going to be the same way every day, and mm. your circumstances change. So to have that like pressure on you. Oh yeah, and like it was internally. Yeah, because it's mostly me. A hundred percent, but still, yeah, but yeah. still. So it was always that kind of like, oh, geez, you know. There was always that, like, oh god, I can't, I can't get out of control. Mm. So I've got to, so if I'm not going to lift weights, I've got to find something to do. I've got to stay active. Got to stay active. Mm. And like, I know they say healthy body, healthy mind, and it kind of goes in hand, which I do agree. If you can, if you find some sort of physical physical activity that you, I won't even say love. If you just find some physical activity that you enjoy, like yeah. I would, I'm a big proponent. Just go for it. Do it. Who cares? Because that's what I kind of that's what I started to figure out. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to matter. Like, and that's the conversations I've had. Like, don't like you know this. Um, you hear those stories where like you know someone comes into the gym the first time they're trying to lose weight and then people make fun of him. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> he can't. You know he can't. Look how big he is. Look like you know. Look how much he's struggling. And it's like yeah, he's trying. Leave yeah. the guy alone. Yeah, 100%. he's doing the right thing. Hundred percent. And every so everyone's going to move on their own. Everyone's got their own trajectory when it comes to like the health and fitness, but like I would push for it, like definitely. Yeah. Like hell, I've had people come and play basketball with me that either 
like for example, the mixed team, they don't know how to play. Yeah. But they're doing it for fitness. And I'm just like, yep, sweet. They're giving it a go. Yeah. Just I'd, let I'd rather have you. A go. That's my big thing. You come in, whenever someone's on a team with me, if you come in and play hard, I'm never going to, we'll never have a crossword hmm. because you're trying. That's all that matters to me. I love that. Mm. I love that so much. So, yeah. <laughs> Before we go, Reese, mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask for someone out there who has just been given a, a diagnosis for a more complex mental illness, say, yeah. such as bipolar 2, mm. um, what would be a, a piece of advice that you would give them in terms of na- like navigating that initial diagnosis and, and, and figuring out the next steps? Okay, so I've actually thought about this. I'm glad. So, <laughs> so a lot of people so haven't. <laughs> this is kind of me reflecting as well. So because I obviously you reflect your own experiences. Mm. My main thing would be don't kind of rest on your laurels with it. If you think something's wrong, you need to tell start because that's the hardest thing is coming out to try to tell someone because then people go, oh, you're just attention seeking, mm. or oh, you're just doing this, or oh, there's that, or the no. I had a the reason I succeeded. Or am succeeding, sorry, because I don't think I've succeeded. I'm on the still going. Yeah, you're still going. But the reason I'm on the right trajectory is because I've had a good group around me, Hmm. and that I think that was the point of what I discussed previously. Is if I was ever in trouble, that whole bottling phase was cut out Hmm. because I'd either go. I've got my mother there, Um, my father, whose idea of depression. Because he's just old school. His idea of depression was, oh, um, oh yeah, I'm depressed. It was that oomphed up version of sad. Mm. So when I told him I was depressed, he was like, oh, you'll get over it. Mm. He didn't understand. And But, you know, with this bipolar disorder thing, I came home one day and I saw him. He had printed out about 30 pieces of paper of Black Dog about bipolar. Oh, I love that. That makes me want to cry. And so he'd sat there and he'd been reading it and like underlining and highlighting and certain pieces. And he's like, okay. And he came to me because I went and told him. Yeah, I want to cry. So, 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 but he came to me that day because I went and saw him. Yeah. And it was after dinner and he goes, he goes, I understand. He goes, I get it. And I just went, oh. (laughs) So that would be my first thing. Mm. If something is wrong, don't, don't shoulder it yourself. Get a group around you. Because I know you can go, like, I know there's that toxic masculinity about, oh, men need to be strong, need to be this, need to be that. You know, they have this. That's why <laughs> That's why it's all in here. Mm. never comes out, mm. that emotional burden. Mm. Male, female, whatever, you need to get a support group around mm. you. Mm-hmm. Someone that's always there for you, and even if you do when the diagnosis comes, it may be and you try to build a similar structure around you, but it's invested and everyone's pulling in the same direction, if that makes sense. It does. I and then when so. you feel like you're, you're getting off the rails, you feel like I can't do this or no, I'm going to be like this forever. You know, when those thoughts start to come in, reach out, please, because that's, that's the one thing I'll reiterate is mm-hmm. you must reach out. And it's going to be daunting to start with, but they'll want – you've got the right people around you. They want you to succeed. Yeah, I love that. So that's, that's, that would be my takeaway is build not not necessarily build sorry but like have a support group around you so whatever the diagnosis is whether it's whether it's depression whether it's bipolar whether it's any kind of we can go on a severity scaling of whatever mental illness or disorder you want to throw out but have people around you 
and like that's why don't shoulder the burden. Mm. Don't take it all yourself because unfortunately, and you're not going to win. Yeah. Because because so. the reason the reason I was where I was is because I did I tried to do it all by myself and I didn't tell anybody. Mm. And so you, you you suffer in silence. Yeah. And that's where that that fe- that daunting feeling of nothingness and the, those horrible negative thoughts enter. If you've got that group around you, you you'll swat them away. They'll be mosquitoes. It'll be nothing. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, it won't necessarily be nothing, but it'll be. It'll. It's more manageable. Yes. Far more manageable. Oh. That's my that's my take on it. But. I love that. Reese, we've run out of time, but <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for this. This was beautiful. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye. Bye. That was so good. <laughs> Reese was a certified cutie. <laughs> he genuinely cares about making a difference, and that's why I think he was just a great pick to come in and talk about his his experiences. I really do appreciate how honest and open he was, especially taking us through that very intimate journey of of discovering a diagnosis. That that it's quite that can be quite hard for a lot of people to to talk about. So I really do appreciate his honesty, and yeah just for being, as I said, a certified cutie. Uh, Guys, if you don't care about social media, now is the time to stop listening. But also don't do that because if my, God, if my boyfriend knew that I just did that, he'd be like, Maddie, what the hell? Come on. This is how you get the followers. Ugh. Okay, quick. We'll do it really quickly. Okay. So Facebook, you type in, if you don't mind, that's it. Instagram, if you don't mind podcast. There you go. Twitter, again, I really don't know why I keep mentioning it, but it's still there, if you don't mind P. If you want to have a little chat, you can reach me at if you don't mind at gmail.com. And this is the important one, guys. If you are loving the podcast and you want to hear more of it, you want to maybe hear an episode once a week or, or twice a week, I mean, that would be fantastic. So if you go to Patreon and type in if you don't mind, you will find us. We have three lovely uh, tiers to choose from. You can choose either $2 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. If you choose $2 a month, that's literally 50 cents a week. That's nothing. That would be great if you could give me 50 cents a week. I would love you for that. And and if you decide that you would like to be uh, a tier 2 or tier 3 person, you will get a personal shout out on the show. So please, if you can, become a patron. Um, Guys, as usual, I really can't stress enough of being kind to yourself, being kind to others, and when you can, listening to other people's stories. Because the more we do that, the more empathy we are able to have for each other. And I think, I know it's a mind-boggling idea, but that might just be the way we make real change. So I'll see you guys in two weeks for episode nine. Catch you later. (music) 